Glory to God. Good morning. Good morning to all of you. Uh, my name, of course, is Apostle Ray McQueen of Family Life Church right here in the beautiful city of Lynchburg, Virginia. And I am so honored uh, to come on and to share the word of God with you all on this morning. Of course, Pastor Tucker uh, is a great man of God as we celebrate, I mean, 20 years of pastoral ministry, guys, 20 years of pastoral ministry. And I'm so honored and I'm so thankful for this man's gift into the body of Christ. His lovely wife and his family is such a blessing. And we're so thankful that God has given us the opportunity to not only share the word of God with you all on this morning, but also to celebrate Pastor Tucker uh, for the work that he has done in pastoral ministry and yet still hanging in there. I wouldn't say hanging in there, but holding on to the faith and staying in his calling and his assignment for the kingdom of God. We are so grateful and so thankful for my church. And I'm thankful for Pastor Tucker, who has been a great friend, uh, a great colleague, and most importantly, a co-laborer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he is a great man of God. Thank God for his character, his integrity. He's always remained the same since I've known him. And I've known him for quite a while. And I can honestly say that he's always been a man that respected the gift of God that was on my life. He's always honored me, and I'm so grateful for that. And as a pastor, it does me well to see other pastors encourage and uh, and motivate one another. And he is one of those guys, uh, very inspirational and also very motivational. So thank God. Can we just put our hands together for Pastor Tucker for 20 years of pastoral ministry, y'all? Come on now. Come on. Come on. Come on. There are people that have started in ministry, have not finished. There are some that started and they gave up. But I thank God for this man of God that quitting was not an option. And we're so grateful and so thankful for his ministry and thankful what God is going to continue to do through his ministry. 20 years of pastoral pastoral ministry. What a gift to God. He's definitely a gift to the kingdom of God. Well, I'm going to be teaching today and I'm so excited about the word of God. And I want to be today just, just in the book of Matthew chapter six and verse 33, where it says to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And I want to talk about the importance of not only just being in the kingdom of God, but also living a victorious life. It is God's will for you and I as followers of Christ is to live a victorious life. Matter of fact, Jesus has already given us the victory. And so thank God that we have the victory before we even experience the victory. I always tell people this, that I'm not asking for victory, but I already have the victory. And so today we're going to be talking about the three S's uh, uh, as far as living a, uh, living a victorious life. And we're going to give you the three S's that will help you to live a victorious life. Amen. So number one is salvation. Number two is sanctification. And number three is service. In the kingdom of God, there are three must-haves that we need as believers in order to live a victorious life. And we're going to be talking from the standpoint of what are these three things. And one of them is salvation. The next one is sanctification. And then the next one is service. What I'm talking about is spiritual. The Bible says that a natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit. And that's first Corinthians chapter two and verse 14. Listen, I want to say this to you. We are called by God. However, when we, we must, we must, or we, most people think of a call. They only think about a public ministry. When you hear people talk about I'm called to something, normally we hear people thinking more of public ministry the stage or having a mic or the lights, camera in action. You know what I mean? But your life is a stage because we are called by God. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, which is a very powerful translation. It says this, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life, a life set apart, distinct. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that we because that that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. And because we are called, there are three must haves that are called the three S's that we need. We need these three S's in our life to live a victorious life. These are I call them must haves. Understand this. We must apply these things to our life in order to reap the benefits of the blessing of the kingdom of God, we must apply these things to our life. So my goal today or my objective today is to get you to apply these three S's to your life that you will begin to live a victorious life in Christ Jesus. Amen. The first one we're going to discuss today is salvation. Salvation. Salvation is God's grace. It is the gift of God of freedom from our sins that Jesus made possible by taking the punishment of our sins on the cross. I don't ever want to take that for granted because many people think everybody knows what salvation is. And so we want to go a little deeper today as relating to salvation. And the Greek meaning for salvation means soteria. It means to save. It means to rescue. It means to deliver. It means to heal. It describes the rescue or deliverance from danger. It includes restoration to a state of safety and soundness and health, well-being and preservation from danger of destruction. So it goes a little deeper when it talks about salvation in the Greek meaning soteria, because the Greeks would break the word down in such a place, in such a, a lower level that you can understand it. Not lower level, level meaning that is not important, but from the standpoint of giving us a better understanding of what salvation is. So it means to rescue. It means to be delivered. It means to be safe from danger. And so understand that when he God saved us, he rescued us. Amen. He protected us. Lord, he healed us as well. He delivered us. All that comes in the area of soteria. Soteria. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, in the easy, easy standard version, it says this. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Notice how the Holy Spirit gets involved in salvation. He is the one that renews us. He also brings regeneration to us. Regeneration means a rebirth. Isn't that what Jesus said in John chapter three, verse three, except the man be born again, he cannot see or understand the kingdom of God. Regeneration means a <clears throat> rebirth. It means born again. It means born again. It means to become something that you were not before. I want to say that again. It is something that you become that you were not before. You are now something now that you were not before. Therefore, you will be able to do what you could not do before. <laughs> Glory to God. How do I receive this gift? By the confession of your faith in God and in his word. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, we all know this. Well, I don't want to take that for granted. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says we shall be saved or you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth salvation or confession is made unto salvation. 
What just happened when you received the gift of salvation? What happened to us? When you made that confession, you received not only Christ, but you received a new life. This freedom, this liberation from the strongholds of sins, what we dealt with now, it is no longer stuck to our lives. Now we can begin to walk through it and we can overcome it. Why? Because you have been reborn. You've been reborn. You've been born again. But it doesn't end there. Your next step is to now work it out. Amen. We're not to work for our salvation, but to work out our salvation. The scripture is very clear. We don't work for our salvation. We work out our salvation. How do you know that? In, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through verse 13, in the, CS, the CSB, which is the Christian Standard Bible, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, but even more in my absence, work out your own. Notice what it says. It didn't say work for your salvation. It says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God's, it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. God has a purpose for your salvation, which leads me to our, to the second must have, and that's salvation. The very first one is just, we talked about is sanctification. I mean, is salvation. The second one is sanctification. Amen. Sanctification is setting something apart or setting someone apart by purifying and dedicating it to God's service. That's what sanctification, sanctification is. I'm being set apart by purifying and dedicating it to God's service. So God has now saved you. Now he has sanctified you. He has set you apart for kingdom service. Sanctification is a purpose or is a process of heart and life and everyday active transformation. I want to say that again. Sanctification is a process, process of heart and life and everyday active transformation. It is through sanctification process that we work out our salvation. It is through this sanctification process that we work out our salvation. Salvation is what God does for you. But sanctification is the process by which you internally work out what God has deposited on the inside of you. God has deposited on the inside of everyone that have received Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. Now, this requires effort on your part. You don't need effort to be saved. You just need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart and confess with your mouth by faith that you know that Jesus died on the cross for you and rose again on the third day for you. You didn't have to work for that. You just merely accepted Christ by believing and having faith. But now understand this. There's a part you have to play for sanctification. This requires effort on your part. Being a member of the uh, of, uh, being a member of the Y doesn't mean you're going to lose weight. You can go to the Y all day long, but if you don't go and do something in the Y, it doesn't mean that you're going to lose weight. You have to work out, use the equipment. Likewise, being a member of the church doesn't eliminate you allowing God to work out some things in your life. You've got to begin to work these things out in your own life. In John chapter 17, verse 15 through verse 19, it is from the easy standard version. Part of Jesus' prayer for his disciples because he was sending them on a mission. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not 
of the world, just I am, just as I am not of the world. Then he says this, sanctify them, sanctify them, set them apart. Holy, listen to this, for a holy service to God. Now that you are saved and you are accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, God has now set you apart for a holy service in the truth. He says in the truth, your, tr your word is truth. So God says to Jesus, sanctify them. Set them apart in my truth. And he says, my word is truth. Now we know God's word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have now sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate or sanctify. Here we go again. Myself, that they also may be sanctified. Notice in truth. Sanctification is the process of renewal of the mind. We must talk about the mind when we talk about sanctification. It is the process of the renewal of the mind. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through verse 23, in the New Living Translation, it says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Notice, the truth comes from Jesus. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former, and your former way of life. In other words, get rid of the old man, the King James Verse calls it, the old man. Get rid of the old sinful nature and your former way of life. There was a way we used to live. There was a way that we used to behave before we received Jesus as Lord and Savior. But he says, get rid of that former way of life. Notice the Bible says, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. That's very good right there. So it is the Holy Spirit now that gives us the ability or he renews your thoughts and your attitudes. I'm so grateful that we have Holy Spirit that will put us in check that whenever we're going to do something uh, opposite of the word of God or something that was against the will of God or something that is against that new nature that we now have, the Holy Spirit will help us to renew our thoughts and our attitudes concerning that. Put on your new nature. Oh, my goodness. Now you have a new nature. What I love about God, that when he saves us, he don't just bring us out of something and leave us there. He don't. He always brings you out of something to put you into something. He leaves. He, look, he brings you out of darkness and then he brings you into his marvelous light. He brings you out of something to take you into something. So now he says, put on the new nature. So now we are to put off this former way of life or this sinful nature. Then he says, now put on this new nature created to be like Christ, truly righteous and holy. Now we must be open to the new. Open your eyes to what you have never seen before. And when you receive Christ in your life in this process of sanctification, you now are in a whole new journey. So now we must open our eyes what we have never, ever seen before. In the sanctification process, God wants us to see new things. We spend so much time on the old that we can't see the new that God wants to do in our lives. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine through verse 10 says this, and this is the new King James version. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear hath heard, nor has entered in the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed them. Now, how he's going to reveal these things we have not seen. How is he going to reveal those things that we have not heard? How are we going to reveal those things that have not even entered our hearts? The Bible tells us. But God has revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, the deep things, yes, the deep things of God. God is not interested in renovating your past. 
but he is committed to releasing your future. See, there are people must understand that you're no longer going to live in your past now that you have received Jesus and now you're in the sanctification process. God is not interested in trying to fix things up in your life, but he's committed to releasing your future, that which is new. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things, somebody say all things, all things have become new. In the sanctification process, we discover our new identity in Christ and our spiritual gifts. In this process of sanctification, we discover our new identity in Christ and our spiritual gift. Every believer is gifted spiritually by God. Every believer has a spirit has a spiritual gift and also multiple spiritual giftings. We find our identity in Christ, not in what we drive, not in what we wear, not where we live, not how much money we make, not who we know. But we now find our identity in Christ and what the enemy will try to do. The devil will try to steal your identity in Christ and even get you to question who you are. Understand this believer, you must identify with Christ that you are victorious, that you are overcomer, that you are more than a conqueror. No weapon that's formed against you shall be able to prosper, that you know that you are the head and not the tail, that you are above, never beneath. Understand this, I identify now with Christ. Christ is victorious. I'm victorious. Oh, there's a scripture in John chapter 16, verse 33. The Bible talks about Jesus said that you're going to have tribulations in this world. But he says, I have overcome the world. He says, be of good cheer. He says, even though you're going to have tribulation, you're going to have trial. But he says, be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. And I want to tell you, when you identify with Christ, whatever you're going through in your life, you may be facing a very difficult moment in your life. And as sensitive as I am to you on this morning, I want you to recognize that you overcome because Jesus has overcame. That's how you identify yourself with Christ. As Jesus is in as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, which I love the new King James version said before I form you in the womb. Now he's talking to Jeremiah, but he's also spoken, speaking to me and to you. Because what God does for one in principle, he is obligated to do for another. The Bible is the principles of God's word. The Bible is principles. It's not the do's and don'ts. There are principles in the word of God. And if God gives a principle to someone else, that principle also belongs to me. Why? He is obligated to do that. If he said it to Jeremiah, he's also saying it to me. Before I form you in the womb, he's also saying it to you this morning. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I sanctified you. God knew you before you got into your mother's womb. Let me park right here. It does not matter how you got here, but you must recognize that God has set you apart. It is God's will that all men be saved, that all men come to the truth. Now, when I talk about man, I'm talking about humankind. It is God's will for all to come to the knowledge of the truth of his dear son. So understand this. Before you were born, God said, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. Now, you may not be called to be a prophet, but I just said earlier that all of us have some spiritual giftings that God has given to all of us. But my point is, is that God has already sanctified you. God has set you to the side. God has set you apart to be used by him. In Psalms 139, verse 13, it says this, for you formed my inward parts. This is, the, this is David speaking now. 
for you have formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Listen, sanctification is the process of you discovering who you are. You better hear me. Sanctification is the process of you discovering who you are, whose you are, your delegated power and authority, your gift, your anointing, and the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. Sanctification is the process of you discovering who you are, whose you are, your delegated power and authority, your gift, your anointing, and the person of the Holy Spirit. Notice, you are blessed by God because you have been set apart. It is where you discover, according to Luke chapter 1, verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Listen, I started the service off and I started off my message talking about the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. There are many people that want things added unto them, but they're not putting their priorities right. Seeking the kingdom of God is the most the, the, the top priority of your life. This is kingdom of God. What's in it? What belongs to me? How can I live in it? How can I operate in it? How can I get kingdom in my life? Kingdom is in your life, but from the standpoint, how do I experience the kingdom of God right here on this earth? Amen. So understand this for with God, nothing is impossible. I want to say this because everything in the kingdom of God must be received by faith. Everything, I'm going to say that again, everything in the kingdom of God must be received by faith. That's why the Bible says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. There is nothing impossible about you being able to change. There's nothing impossible for you to experience God's delegated authority in your life. There is nothing impossible that you cannot walk in the blessings of God. There is nothing impossible that you cannot walk in the anointing. There is nothing impossible that you cannot use the gift of God on your life. There is nothing impossible that you don't know who you are. All things are possible with God. Nothing shall be impossible with God. Sanctification is constant, eternal work. Constant. It's not a one-time deal. Salvation was a one-time deal, but not sanctification. Sanctification is a process that prepares you for service. Sanctification is a process that prepares you for service. Listen, we must know who we are in Christ and that we are anointed for service. And that's not saying it arrogantly. That is saying it confidently. To know that I am sanctified, to know that I am saved. You know, back in the day, I'm kind of telling my age when I came up in the old church, when I got saved, you know, you would hear people say, I'm saved and sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized. You know, you hear that, those things in the old church. And it's right, it is true. You're saved and you're sanctified. We must know who we are in Christ and that we have been anointed for service. The devil is always challenging your identity, your abilities, your gifts. And the anointing that is on your life. The enemy is always, he challenges your identity. He always tries to get you to question who you are. Isn't that what the devil did with Jesus? After Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, the Bible says that after he comes out, then all of a sudden he goes out. The spirit of God leads him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the devil said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be turned into bread. Now, God had just said that Jesus, when he came out of the, the Jordan River after being baptized by John, that this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son. But then when Jesus goes into the wilderness and in Matthew chapter four, to be tempted of the devil, the devil said, if thou be the son of God. 
But thank God Jesus did not question his identity. He knew who he was when the father said that you are my son. I want to say this to you this morning. You no longer have to question your identity because the word of God already tells you who you are. You are his beloved. You are the son of, you are God's child. Understand this, regardless of the mistakes that you make, regardless of, the sh of your shortcomings, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I want to let you know we find our identity in him, but the enemy will try to get you to question your identity. He brings fear when it's time to step out and to be stretched. Hmm. But, but knowing your identity will bring an end to your captivity. That, that's the key. Knowing who you are will bring an end to your captivity because the enemy tried to keep you in captivity to question your identity that you don't use your uh, service for the Lord. And that's our third S is service because number one, we said salvation. Number two, sanctification. And then the third S is service because yes, you're saved. Yes, you are now sanctified, which is a process. It's a continual, it's a continual sanctification. It's a continual process in our life. But yes, God saved you, sanctified you for service. So when you know who you are, the enemy can never hold you back. He can never keep you in captivity because you're going to use the gift that God has placed on your life for his service. He can never make you bow. We're only bound to God and to his will for our lives. Not the enemy. We only bow to God. Allowing his word to be our standard for our families, our everyday life, our everyday living. Regardless of what the culture says, regardless of what the culture says, we don't lean to the left or the right, but we take a stand on the word of God. The culture will not or no longer influence our lives to the point that we are not doing what God has called us to do. Service. Somebody say service. Number one, number one salvation. Number two, sanctification. And then number three, service. Let's go a little deeper with that. Now that our relationship with God has been restored through Christ, thank God, we are called into his service. Seek ye first the kingdom. Now you're in the kingdom of God. Not only are you in the kingdom, but the kingdom now is within you. Now that our relationship with God has been restored through Christ, we are called into his service. You have been called. We talked about that earlier, about being called. We're not talking about being on the stage. You know, you do praise and worship, or if, even if God calls you to ministry. But we're not talking about that type of call just only. We're not limiting it to the stage. We're not limiting it to a mic. Because you would be amazed at the number of people that think when someone has been called, they've been called to preach. And yeah, we still get that call to preach. But then there are other calls that you and I have. We are called into his service. Whatever that looks like for you. Whatever gift that you have in your life. Yeah, there are people that are called to preach. There are people that are called to uh, lead. And, and there are people that are called uh, to do different things for the service of God. There are callings and gifts that people have on their lives. So God has saved us and sanctified us and setting us apart for his service. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, it says this. Therefore I, now this is the apostle Paul speaking. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving, notice the Lord, for serving the Lord, beg to you or beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Now, now that you have been saved, you're now in, the, in sanctification. Now, understand this. You have been called for his service. You've been called. Now, he says, let, let your life be worthy of this calling. For you have been called by God. You've been called. Somebody say that. I've been called by God. Yeah. I've been called by God. I'm not talking about a title. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about service. Because Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom are those that serve. 
What are you doing for God? What are you doing for God? There's something we can do. And it's not limited to the four walls of the church because you are representatives where you are, wherever you go. The Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ. Yeah. An ambassador speaks on behalf of another. The ambassador speaks on behalf of another nation, but he is representing someone that is greater than himself. Do you know now that you are saved and sanctified, <laughs> you are represent, representing someone greater than, than yourself. You represent Christ in the earth. So we're not limiting our service just into the four walls of a building. You are also to share your faith with others, to witness to people, to talk to people about Christ, and also to, 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 to help the poor, to feed people, to do whatever you got to do. There are all types of avenues that you use your, 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 your kingdom assignment for the service of the Lord. Amen? Your call to service may not be like mine, but we all are called to service. You may not be called to a pastorate. You may not have the call that uh, Pastor Tucker has to be a pastor and to lead the church and to lead people. But guess what? The Bible, we just said to you that there's a calling on you and we don't work, walk worthy of that calling. So when we allow the process of sanctification to take place, it helps us change our perspective on serving others. Isn't that what Jesus did, that he always served others? Jesus was our example in the earth because he said the greatest in the kingdom of God are those that serve. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served but I came to serve. So when we get this, when we're in this process of sanctification, it helps us change our perspective of serving others. Where, whereas we're no longer viewing it as a job or as a task, but we view it as a calling. Your job can change over time, but your calling remains constant because it's who God created you to be. You can, you can be in jobs and have all kinds of jobs, but it remains the same. But your, 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 your God-given service is always constant wherever you are. As a pastor, I was visiting, I was out ministering this past weekend in Texas. And while I was flying from, uh, I was out in St. Louis first, and that's a long story. But from St. Louis into Houston, I was flying southwest. I'm in the air speaking to someone. We're on the, in our seats together, just holding a casual conversation. I began to just hear this person and just listen to them, what they were saying. Then I began to say, are you a believer? Do you know Christ as Savior? And we began to talk and began to share this person was a believer, but they were getting faint in their faith. They was about to give up on their faith. But then I began to encourage them and motivate them. So understand this. Our service is not limited to being in a, in, in a building or in a church. I was also using my gift that God placed on my life while I was on that aircraft talking to this believer that was about to give up. So understand that you're called. Say, I'm called. I'm anointed for the, and you're not only just called, but you are anointed for the call. Listen, the anointing is God's super on your natural. It is God's super on your, that's what the anointing represents. The anointing is someone that's been consecrated. The anointing is someone that has been dedicated. You've been anointed. In the Old Testament, it talked about the anointing that, that the, most of the prophets would anoint the kings of Israel and Judah, of course. But if we think about David in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when, when, when God was looking for the next king of Israel, and he sends uh, the prophet uh, um, Samuel to the house of Jesse, has eight sons. But we know that only seven sons came in the house when the prophet got there and said, Jesse, you know, uh, we're here to anoint the next king of Israel. And the oil that he had, uh, that the prophet had in his uh, uh, horn, the horn that he was carrying, it, the, the, whole, the oil didn't even move. It didn't budge. He said, do you have any other children? And he said, I got one more son. He's out there with the sheep. He said, well, bring him in. And the moment David comes in, he, was, he says, the prophet Samuel says, this is the one. Then he anoints David 
with the oil that was in the horn that he brought. In other words, now he's setting him out for service. He is now dedicating him. He is now consecrating him. And he did it publicly that people would know that the hand of God is on him. But the, also the oil represented the, metaphorically speaking, the Holy Spirit. So now you have been anointed. Now that the Holy Spirit is in your life and on your life, you have been anointed. The Holy Spirit brings the anointing. See, the anointing is God's super on your natural, which causes you to do things that you're not able to do out of your own natural ability. It is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God that's available to all believers. The purpose of the anointing or the presence and power of God is so that we can fulfill the promises and make a difference in this world. As a matter of fact, Christ is not Jesus' last name. I don't want to insult you, but Christ is not his last name. Christ, from the Greek, it means the anointed one and his anointing. The word Christos, Christos, anointed one, or, or also I like this one, chosen one. Anointing was a symbolic act to indicate God's choosing. See, what, what I just said to you about David, the anointing, it was an act of God's choosing. Listen, you didn't choose you. God chose you. You didn't call you. God called you. And when God calls someone, he anoints them. He, he gives them the ability to do the purpose that he is calling them to do. God anointed you to do service. Amen. God chose you. Although the literal meaning of anointing refers to the application of oil, which I just talked about, it can also refer to one's consecration. That's what I said, too, of God. So now you have been consecrated. You've been set apart. You've been dedicated by God. Oh, my God, I feel that my time is about to run out in this place. Understand this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the New King James Version. Now, if you don't hear anything, understand this. I gave you the three S's, the three S's that we all need in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. Number one, salvation. Number two, sanctification. Number three, service. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says this, but you are a chosen generation. He's talking to the new Testament believer, the new covenant believer, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. You are special to God. You may think you're not special to other people, but let me tell you, you are special to God that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into, listen, y'all, his marvelous light. Stop living like you're on your own or you're your own man or your own woman. You are called and chosen. And hear this, cherished by God. Not only are you called, but you're also chosen and you're also cherished. So say those three things. Number one, I'm called, I'm chosen. I'm cherished. Notice, you're called, chosen, and you're cherished by God. See, in the sanctification process, your motives matures from what do I get out of this or what can I give? See, that, that's a different level. Is that what can, what can I give? Not what can I get out of this, but what can I give, give to this? How, how should we serve others? Because that's service, right? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom. Jesus, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your own sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's a whole different level right there. Serving one another in love. See, that love piece is so important. Because that love piece, man, it, it, call, it draws people. When you walk in love, matter of fact, that's the greatest gift that we can ever have. 
the Apostle Paul was speaking to the church at Corinth and they were talking about all these spiritual gifts. And Paul said, yeah, those things are good. He said, man, but the greatest gift is love. Yeah. It's one thing to be gifted, but then it's another thing to walk in love. Now, how should we serve or how should we serve? We, we should serve in love. And then why should we serve? And I'm getting ready to close. Why should we serve? Because there's benefits in serving. Number one, serving a lot. Now, this is for my note takers. Number one, serving allows us to discover and develop our spiritual gifts. It is through my own experience of serving that I was allowed or found out and I discovered what God was developing me for. And I began to understand my spiritual giftings. It was just through service. I made myself available, whatever it is, whatever it was, I made myself available to the kingdom. And then as I began to serve, I began to develop. And all of a sudden I began to understand what my spiritual gifts were. Notice Joshua was chosen by God while he was serving. <laughs> Amen. Number two, number two, serving allows us to experience miracles. I'm going to say that again. Serving allows us to experience miracles. Disciples, the disciples experienced miracles while serving Jesus and others. Notice when they would go places with Jesus and they were serving and all of a sudden they would see the miracles that Jesus did. And even some of them perhaps, and they did, they all begin to do miracles as well. It is amazing to me that it's through serving that you begin to experience the miracles, even the disciple experience. It's through your serving. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, in the NIV, it says, each of you should use whatever gift. See, whatever gift. Your gift may not be my gift. My gift may not be your gift. Whatever gift you have, God has blessed you with it, so use it. So each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve what? Others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. Number four, serving helps us to be more like Jesus. And it does. We shift our focus off of ourselves and put our focus on Jesus. Yeah, it helps us to be more like Jesus. We put our, our focus off of us and put our focus on other people. Even though what Jesus did, Jesus served others, came here to serve others. But yes, give his life. But while he was giving, he served. Number five, serving surrounds us with other Christians who can help us follow Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Well, I hope that you've been blessed by the word of God today. This has just been absolutely amazing word to me. And I pray that you walk in this thing. We talked about the three must haves of a Christian life to live a victorious Christian life. And if you put those three in your life, which you are saved, hopefully we're going to give you the opportunity to receive Christ. Number two, sanctification. It is a process. And number three, to serve. I want you to understand this, that God loves you, that you have been chosen, you've been called and God cherishes you. I want to let you know that in Jesus name. So at this moment, we want to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And I do know the day uh, is your day. Today is your day to receive Jesus Christ in, in your life. And so today I know that God is going to use you tremendously. He's going to use you greatly in the kingdom of God. Praise God to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Glory to God. So today I'm, I'm just so grateful and so thankful that this man of God has been doing what he's been doing for 20 strong years. And we want to say thank God for this man of God today. He has been just a blessing to us, uh, been a blessing to our lives. And uh, I know that your life will never be the same again in Jesus name. So I want to give the opportunity to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. We know today that God loves you. That God cares for you. And so at this moment to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. So if you're here today, say, I want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. I just want you to bow your head and say, you know, Lord Jesus, 
Um, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of your grace. And today, Lord God, forgive me my sins. And today, save me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I know that you're the savior of the world. I know today that you died on the cross. And I also know, Lord God, that if I were confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, I know that I'll be saved. So today I am saved and I am a believer in Jesus name. Amen. If you've done that, God bless you. We love you and we appreciate you. And then secondly, today we're going to receive our tithe and offerings and uh, sowing into the kingdom of God. The Bible talks about giving to the work of the ministry. And this man here is doing a great work. And I just believe that God is going to use him even more. But we also need to understand that we need the resources to do what God has called us to do. It requires finances to do that. So if you're tithing today, giving offerings today, I want to encourage you to be generous in your giving. Uh, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. And I always say cheerful givers are generous givers. And the Bible is very clear about whatsoever man sword, that is what he's going to reap. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully and you also reap bountifully. Well, thank you for your giving and thank you for your generosity. In Jesus' name, we love you and we appreciate you for just being there for us and having us in this work. Amen. Praise God. God bless you and we thank you. At my church, we help people get better by teaching them how the word works. And we want to make sure there is no excuse not to get the word. It's our goal to make all of our ministries accessible on every smartphone, tablet, PC, and television connected to the internet. So whether you're a man who needs some wisdom, a woman who needs some encouragement, or a couple who needs guidance, the My Church channel has just what you need. Simply search for the My Church channel on Roku, Firestick, or Apple TV, or visit MyChurchChannel.org. You can also download the My Church On The Go app from Apple or Google Play App Store. Constantly on the move? Check out the Word At My Church podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Or simply download the Word At My Church skill on your Alexa-enabled device. But whatever you do, make sure to stay connected. See you soon.